There's a story of a wagon train in the pioneer days that was to leave St. Louis on its way to Oregon. It was a group of Christians, and they were all journeying together. The story is told that as they made their trip, they traveled for six days, and they rested on the Sabbath. They rested on the seventh day. As they continued their journey, winter became apparent, and some of the leaders in this Christian group called everybody together, and they were concerned that the snow that was coming would be a big problem, and made the recommendation that they travel seven days a week instead of six days a week. Well, it became contentious, as you can imagine. And so the decision among these believers was that they would divide into two groups. One group would travel six days and rest on the seventh, the Sabbath, and the other group would travel seven days a week. The two groups set out on the same day. The one group rested on the seventh day, but the other group continued their travels. Which group do you think arrived in Oregon the first? You know, don't you? The group that rested on the Sabbath. They were more energized, more invigorated, and their animals were more energized and invigorated and rested than the other group. People and churches are no different. We cut corners. I often cut corners and treat the Sabbath, if I'm honest, before God and you, with lip service. We cut corners and go, go, go 24-7. We don't take time to rest in the Lord and refrain from busy activities. And often in the church, what was intended to be a day of rest for a 24-hour period, one day of rest has been replaced by a few hours of programming on Sundays in American Christianity. We have little margin in our lives. And this message is not to make us feel bad or make us feel guilty. It's just to speak of the lay of the land in our culture, and the church has often gone that direction. So we want to reclaim margin and figure out how to rest in the Lord. And that may be, as one uh, person, one reader, writer that I read said, is just to find the first two-hour block of time that their family could get together and consider a Sabbath because they hadn't been observing it at all. So is to take that first step of reclaiming Sabbath and creating margin in our lives to get back to a sense of rhythm, a sacred rhythm with the time that God has given to us. My concern is that if we don't create that kind of space in our lives, we will not be able to reach our full kingdom potential as Christian people and as a congregation. We'll be just busy about the busyness of the church. So I believe in order to live into the plans that God has for us as a congregation, that we need to 
create margin. And I'm hoping that as we continue our visioning journey as a church, that this will be something that will be um, critical to our future plans. So our big idea is that Christians must reclaim the truth that God has created us both with a need for and the gift of margin. So there's a need for margin, and then it's also a gift, as we will see in Scripture. We call this margin the gift of Sabbath, rest for the body, rest for the mind, rest for the spirit. God intended for creation to have a balance of work and rest, and God created this balance, the lifestyle of Sabbath, as a gift, a free gift to those of us, his creatures, created in the image of God. Our pastor, Matthew Henley, who's now in Children's Chapel, recently wrote a paper for his doctor of ministry work, and it's concerning Sabbath keeping. And he quoted theologian Jürgen Moltmann in this paper, and I'd like to share that with you. Quote, God's rest from the work of creation is an invitation for the entire creation to enjoy peace in the presence of God. Sabbath, therefore, writes Moltmann, is the crown of creation. The crown of creation. Listen to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, as we reflect on the creation. These words aren't on the screen, just listen. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And then reflecting on that, Jesus writes or says this, recorded in Mark 2, 27. Then he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man the Sabbath, meaning the Sabbath is a gift to human beings. The New Living Translation says it this way, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath, meaning often the requirements uh, of Sabbath were legalistic and heavy and Jesus did not intend for that kind of burden, as you know. The message version, the Sabbath was made to serve us. We weren't made to serve the Sabbath. Even God didn't work 724. God settled for six days and resting on the seventh. And so the tradition of Sabbath began with the Jewish people. It, meant to be, it was meant to be different from all the other days to stop the running and slow the pace, a day to renew their lives and souls in the presence of God. To this day in the Jewish community, when the sun sets on Friday night, life almost comes to a stop. The family gathers, lights a candle, and breaks bread, and the world seems to pause in anticipation of this rest. Throughout their wanderings and persecutions from generation to generation, the saying goes, it was not that the Jews kept Shabbat, rather Shabbat kept the Jews. Much of the persecution that Jesus experienced came from his approach to Sabbath keeping. At his time, 
the Jewish religious experts like the Pharisees, the, uh, the Sabbath had become a list of rules and prohibitions. Some of you might remember a time in your life if you grew up in a strict religious environment where the Sabbath was full of strict religious prohibitions, what you could not, could and could not do on the Sabbath. But to Jesus, Sabbath was a way of life to love, to rest, and to delight in God, and to love and care for neighbor and oneself. Jesus was persecuted for healing on the Sabbath. His disciples were persecuted for plucking grain to feed themselves on the Sabbath. But Jesus said the Sabbath was a gift. It was made for us. It wasn't made for legalistic prohibitions. The Greek word translated here in Gospel of Mark, translated made, is the word genomai, which means to be made, fashioned, or placed into existence. So it takes us back to creation where God created and made the Sabbath and gave it to a gift to humanity. The Pharisees accused Jesus of violating the fourth commandment, which we read earlier, and he was quick to remind them that God created it and that it was to be received as a gift and to be remembered and kept holy. And I want to thank you for being part of this Sabbath journey today here at Huguenot Road. Thank you for making it a priority in your life. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I run right past it. And I, I often feel like I function sometimes as a human doing rather than a human being. And that takes God's grace and practice to, to see the pendulum shift from being uh, from human doings to human beings. Richard Swenson, who is a medical doctor and author of a book called Margin, Right. Seldom do you hear our society described as well-rested. He says, we're a tired generation. Our gears are stuck in overdrive and our lives are non-stop. We are active, he writes, busy, driven, fatigued, tired, exhausted, weary, burnt out, anxious, overloaded, and stressed. And all of these words just make me tired hearing them. We have leisure, but little rest. And then he says, we may have education, affluence, technology, leisure and conveniences, but no rest. Our electronic devices keep us going potentially 24-7. And uh, if you are remotely working, which many of us have been doing since the pandemic started, you often can't get away from your work. There's no break between when work ends and when the rest of your day begins. It can get just blurred together. And God, we need help to have that margin so that we can find rest in you. Ruth Haley Barton is the author of Sacred Rhythms, which is the book that's provided the framework for the Sacred Rhythms series this fall. And I heard her preach a message. Uh, it's a some years ago, at I was uh, heard a recording of a message she gave at Mars Hill Church in Michigan. She was talking about this very matter. And she said that Christians need to return to the essence of Sabbath. And she suggests that we are dangerously depleted 
and that many people think this is normal. And so I borrowed a continuum that she shared in her message, and I have it on the screen for you, and I hope that you can see this today. And she, she asked the question, where are you, where am I, on the tired continuum? So if you'll look at your screen, on the far left, it starts with rested, the continuum rested, and there in the middle, a good tired, and then on the right, dangerously depleted. Think about it for just a minute. Where, where are you right now? I hope you're I hope you're rested. If you are, we celebrate that and we give God the glory. So some of you may be rested. You say, Pastor Bob, I feel pretty rested. I can honestly say that. Others, well, it's a good tired. To me, a good tired is when I've been out working in the yard all day, working in the garden, and I come back and I've done all that work and I'm tired, but it's a good tired, you know? Some of you... If you go out and play a, a, a round of golf and you're tired, but it's a good tired. Or maybe you went out shopping with a friend for a whole day and it's a, it's a good tired. Yesterday, our family did a campus visit and we were gone, I think, 13 or 14 hours. Traveled early in the morning to a college campus and visited all day and then came back last night. I was tired, but it was a good tired, you know. If, you've ever, if you ever go to the beach and you've been out on the beach, especially kids, and you've been out on the beach all day, and it's 4 o'clock, and it, you've been in the sun, and it's sandy and gritty, and then you come into the house where you're staying, and you, you get cleaned up and come back out on the porch and just sit, and the sun has made you tired, but it's a good tired. It's okay. Some of us have a good tired, and there's some balance. But others, Ruth Haley Barton says, we are dangerously depleted, and there's no margin, and there's no time for us even to take and catch our breath. And that's, she says, where we can experience health problems, hypertension, and other things that can become chronic if we don't get the help that we need. She says this, and this is a wake-up call for me. The result of being dangerously depleted is that what we value most gets the least attention. What we value most gets the least attention. And often that can be our family, those who are closest to us, or the things God's called us to do in the community. So we want to restore our lives to Sabbath, to invite God in and redeem the time. And in His grace, God has given us some practices to help us with the longing of being dangerously depleted. We need God's help. And His grace is sufficient for us when we seek His help. So I want to suggest first some, some of the challenges that we might face that cause us to be dangerously depleted. And then second, look at a framework that can help us take steps into Sabbath living, Sabbath keeping and Sabbath living. First, some challenges. Pete Scazzaro is an author. He's also a pastor up in New York, and he's written a lot of books, but one of them is called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he shares three challenges that we experience when we 
stop. And he says these are some of the reasons why we don't stop. The first one is that we're afraid of what we might find inside of us. He says many of us, especially leaders, can't stop. We're frightened of what we will see in ourselves when we slow down. Something inside us much deeper is driving us, and often, especially for clergy types, it can be the need to be needed. And so we don't slow down and stop because we feel that if we do, that something won't get done. So it's a need to be needed. Sometimes that's a self-image issue or a self-worth issue. Am I enough? Or am I so addicted to adrenaline that I live on overdrive and that feeds my um, way of doing things? And when I, when I rest, it's like I have withdrawals from the adrenaline. This is the things that Scazzaro is saying. So we might be afraid of what we find in us. Second, he, he says some of us associate <coughs> Sabbath with legalism or something in our religious past. Sometimes we're either confused about Sabbath, what it really means, or just we just don't know. But also there may be some patterns in our religious past that um, come up when we even think about Sabbath, the things you could and couldn't do. And then third, he says that we might find a distorted view of our core identity. He says, when meeting someone for the first time, we usually ask a question. Church, what would that, like if you meet somebody for the first time, nice to meet you. What's a question that we often ask? I heard, where do you come from? Uh, Think about another one. What do you do for a living? All right. So he's suggesting that often our identity, our core identity is wrapped up in what we do, our our work. And he's suggesting that as we face this challenge, that we reframe our identity from what we do vocationally to who we are in the image of God. And that's hard work. But he says we are first human beings and we are not human doings. He says, what then will motivate us to reimagine, reprioritize, and rearrange our lives around the Sabbath? And he says, the answer is in capturing a biblical vision of Sabbath as a beautiful diamond whose many facets reflect the light and beauty of life on earth in relationship with the living God. The crown of creation is the Sabbath. And so those are some challenges that we've got to acknowledge. And here's some framework. First, prepare. This comes from a journalist named Judy Shulevitz who wrote an article called Bring Back the Sabbath. She says, to be prepared, the Jews would work all week anticipating the Sabbath rest was coming. They would make preparations for it, just like you all have made preparations to be here in worship today. Think about this when you go on a vacation. Think about all the preparation that you have to make in advance to go out of town. Reservations, maybe flight tickets, somebody to take care of things at home, the mail and the dog and the newspaper and the yard and things. Preparation has to be made in order for us to experience vacation. She's suggesting that we need to prepare for Sabbath. Every week, 
when we find that Sabbath time that works for us, and it may not be Sunday, it may be another day, but how are we going to prepare the other days so that we don't um, take the Sabbath that we've planned and use it for something else? She says we need to stop, not only to prepare, but then to stop, to rest in the Lord. The psalmist says to be still and know that I am God. Another translation, stop the traffic and know that I am God. In that same psalm, in other psalms, you'll see the word selah, S-E-L-A-H, selah. And the choir knows exactly what selah is, Philip, but, and some of you do too. It means to rest. Selah in the psalms means that there's a rest between the verses. And so when we stop, we're experiencing that pause, that selah. Music wouldn't be what it is without rest. So we prepare for it, we stop, and then third, we remember. We remember the stories of our faith. We remember the creation story. We remember our bondage and our deliverance. We remember God's plan for others as we are supposed to love others, our neighbors as ourselves. Uh, God's plan for social equity and justice for the oppressed, that every single person should be the recipient of the gift of Sabbath rest. There are some people who work seven days a week to feed economies, and every person needs Sabbath. And so the church's got a lot of work to do to see that change happens in our world so that other people can experience the kind of rest that God intends for us. So there's preparation there's stop the traffic, there's the remembering of God's story, and then there's delight, that we're to delight in the Sabbath, says Isaiah. And Isaiah is speaking to the remnant of the Israelites who are coming back from Babylonian exile, those last uh, ten chapters or so of Isaiah. And he says that we are to delight in the Lord when we keep Sabbath. Jim, it just speaks to me when you said that God loves a cheerful giver, that uh, hilarious giver, that joy that comes when we delight in the Lord, that a happiness, the rejoicing. May we experience the delight of the Lord when we pause for Sabbath. So I've got a slide that might be a help to us. There are some hard copies of this out in the narthex on the table, and um, there are, uh, and then I can send this electronically to you if you'd like. So there, I, I thought about wh what would a 24-hour Sabbath day look like for Christians today? What, what could be a framework? And, you know, maybe you start somewhere, and this could be a, a help. So I, I, I started on Saturday evening through at 6, through Sunday at 6. The Friday evening from 6 to 10 could be family time, enjoying the outdoors, game, movies, hanging out, whatever works for your family. But some family time, fam or time with friends on that Friday evening, and then a good night rest, sleep from 10 to 8. That would be a nice evening of rest, more than some need, but some never get that much at all. 
And then on Sunday morning, from 8 to 1, serving in God's church, worshiping together, experiencing Christian education. So devoting Sunday to worship, or it could be that another day of worship works for you um, as, as you are out in the online community. But this is just a framework to get us thinking. And then the rest of Sunday from 1 to 6, family time, again, rest, being with friends, um, cooking some soup and taking it to someone who's not doing well and, and serving in that way. These are ways that we can keep Sabbath. So a 24-hour period of time in today's world that could potentially be life-changing. So you could take this and tweak it and modify it for what might work for your family. But reclaiming the Sabbath, that we can make it a priority today. In his writing, Wondrous Encounters, Scriptures for Lent, Richard Rohr says this, Limen, L-I-M-E-N, is the Latin word for threshold. A liminal space is the crucial in-between time when everything actually happens and yet nothing appears to be happening. It's the waiting period, he writes, when a cake bakes and I look through the glass of the oven waiting on that cake to be done or those brownies. The waiting period when the cake bakes, he says, the movement is made, the transformation takes place. This is liminal time. One cannot just jump from Friday to Sunday in this case. There must be Saturday, Sabbath. And then he says, this, of course, was always the holy day for Jewish tradition. The Sabbath rest was a pivotal day for the Jews. And even the dead body of Jesus rests on Saturday, waiting for God to do whatever God plans to do. It's our greatest act of trust and surrender, both together. Trust and surrender. A new creation ex nihilo, being created out of nothing, beginning to happen. But first, he says, it must be designed. We were made to work and to rest. We were made to love God and others. We were made to delight in the Lord and experience the fullness of all God designed. So God sanctified time and gave it to us as a gift and said, remember it and keep it holy. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel said this, the meaning of the Sabbath is to celebrate time rather than space. Blessed are those who remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. When our bodies find rest, we feel refreshed. When our emotions find rest, our countenance is lifted. Yet relaxed muscles and minds are of little worth unless our souls also find rest in the acceptance of God. May we remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Let us pray.